Hi guys, this is episode 21 of The Beauty of Ugly. My name is Sim Tong and let's talk about some stuff. Um, Yeah, I don't really have much this week, so I think it's going to be a quick one. Yeah, last week I said I was going to watch uh, It's Okay Not To Be Okay, right? And then uh, I'm glad I said it because once I said it, then I feel obliged to do it, right? Because if I didn't say that I was going to do it, if nobody heard me saying that I was going to do it, then what's likely to happen is that I'll just say like, nah, not today, not today. And I'll not today into the next week and then the next month and then the next year and then it'll never happen, right? And yeah, I watched it. I watched It's Okay Not To Be Okay. And my rating for it is um, It's Okay. I didn't get through the first episode yet, actually. I <laughs> I haven't gotten past the first episode, so uh, that's not a good sign. But I'll make it a point to go back and watch the rest of it. I just have a very short attention span and the story wasn't going along fast enough for me. So yeah, I will figure out how that one works or whether I'm actually going to watch the second episode. I'll tell you guys next week. Uh, so that one was that one. Um, been feeling good this week. Um, but although I have been not very productive, I didn't do anything really much. I did some live streams and then now we're back to the podcast again. Oh yeah, we did. I organized my first online stand-up comedy show. So it's just... Uh, me as the host and four acts. Uh, it was Mike Sadi, Ayman Azri, Garu Rumon, and Stephen Bones. And I think it went pretty well. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about was that maybe there wasn't enough audible laughter uh, because I was relying on the on the comedians on the acts to kind of be the audience and laugh right but um i think uh they are kind of focused on their acts uh, and they are 15 minutes because uh for many of them they don't often do a 15 minute set so it is kind of like challenging your comfort zone right coming out of your comfort zone for a lot of us although i was just hosting i, I didn't do a 15 minute set uh, but even the hosting part is also uh, something kind of new for me. I've done hosting only a few times. I need to put a little bit more thought into it. Last week, I just went in the same way how I do my live streams. I just went in with nothing <laughs> and uh, just kind of stumbled around in there. And uh, it was okay. I think the, the X did all right. The X did very well. Um, I'm, I am considering maybe instead of using StreamYard, I might use Zoom. But I'll try StreamYard for a few weeks and see what happens. Zoom has its drawbacks as well. Zoom is um, its not as easy to interact with the audience unless they are all in the Zoom meeting. So we'll see. We'll figure it out. Uh, oh, Rishad. Hi, Rishad. Uh, Rishad is here and he says, Hey, Sim, the Comedy Tuesday worked out pretty well and we get to warm up with Papi and Zach an hour before that. Yeah. So that works out pretty well, actually, because um, uh, Papi and Zach, <laughs> what am I saying? Papi and Zach is the same person. Papi and Grumpy. 
or rather um, Zach and Kevin. Um, uh, Zach and Kevin's show is at 8 p.m. on Tuesdays and mine, uh, my stand-up comedy show, which uh, at the moment is still, my tentative title is still called Funny From Home. Uh, it's at 9 p.m., so, so it works out well. Yeah, so this week I spent a lot of time playing StarCraft because uh, I think I mentioned this last week, maybe. My son started playing StarCraft and I played with him and he, at first I, I beat him pretty easily in the first uh, game. And then in the next three games, I think he beat me. And yeah, I think I don't know how to play StarCraft 2. So this week I've been practicing my StarCraft, StarCraft 2 so that I am not getting killed by my son <laughs> so easily, not getting trampled so easily. Uh, so I've been playing all the campaign missions and uh, I have such a um, personality that I get addicted to uh, computer games easily and things that are addictive, I get addicted to it pretty easily. So it's uh it's probably a good thing I I never really tried any hard drugs, right? <laughs> so that's what's been happening. And uh I don't I'm not proud of it, you know. Uh but I finished the campaign mission. <laughs> uh little minor thing to be proud of. Although I'm I'm kind of ashamed to say that I played the whole campaign on normal mode. They have casual, which is easy. So it's uh, easy, normal, and then uh, hard, and then they have brutal. But uh, even on normal, I found it hard. And uh, the last mission was so hard that uh, I just caved in and uh, changed the difficulty level to easy. So just so that I can complete it. Because the whole thing was that I feel like if I finish it, then I can get over it. If it's If the campaign is not finished, if it's just left hanging, uh, I'm just going to be uh, always drawn to it, right? So now I've finished it, and uh, yeah, I hope I'm over it. <laughs> uh, but I, I will still play the one-on-one uh, -on -one versus games with my son when he wants to play. Who did I talk to this week? I talked to Faisal Merican. and we he talked about depression, actually, uh, and... Mm, I don't want to go too much into it because uh, it's kind of his story. But like, mm, but he did tell me that to deal with it, he listens to sad music. Uh, and I always went the opposite way in the past, I think. Uh, I mean, there was when I was younger, I used to kind of listen to the sad music and kind of mope for a while and then feel better, right? But then uh, at some point, I felt like, okay, this, this has got to stop. I felt like maybe... I don't know. My way of thinking about it was that I didn't want to, I, I just didn't want to feel sad anymore. So I deleted a lot of uh, sad music off my collection. I'm like, uh, it wasn't even conscious at first. I just had a lot of sad music in my, in my uh, regular playlist. And then when I looked at it, I'm like, wow. Okay. When I started paying attention to it, I was like, wow, this is, no wonder I'm always feeling a little bit bluesy, you know, because like, look at all this stuff I'm listening to. 
Pink Floyd and uh, Eric Clapton. Yeah, especially that Unplugged album. I was like kind of hooked on it in the... This was way back in the 90s, I think. And then one day I just thought like, ah, okay, enough of this. Just just get rid of this stuff. And they're, they're still in my collection somewhere, just off my playlist. And uh, yeah, I didn't want to have that around me, I think. But yeah, it was interesting talking to Faisal. And then he says like it helps him to get through to the other side, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have depression, but I think I might have. Uh, it is easier to deal with it if I say that I do so that on bad days, I know it is just me and it is not reality. And, and reality is not as bad as uh, I'm making it out to be at that moment. Yeah. So basically, if I label it, makes it easier to deal with i'm like uh if i'm in one of those uh moods where i'm like ah, not very feeling very hopeful then i can say like oh this is not reality this is just in my head and then i can tell myself like okay this is not real it's kind of like you know those maybe those horror stories or those um fantasy or science fiction stories maybe uh where the villain is trying to make the hero um see things that are actually not there and that's their kind of superpower or their ability like how the scarecrow has that power over people right and he uses it on batman right it's maybe a little bit like that it's like okay just gotta tell yourself this is not real and this feeling will pass so yeah, I don't know what else to say. I the other day I was uh at Starbucks and I had this realization and this is kind of out of the blue and doesn't mean anything, but I I realized that I don't know how to order anything at Starbucks. Uh you know, I look at the whole like thing above the the whole menu on the board and I'm like, "Oh my god, everything is just I don't understand it, you know. And I, I'm not even trying to make a bit here. I'm just, this is just real to me. I, I don't understand, like, I know what a frappuccino is. I don't want one. So what else can I order? Uh, and it's just like, I couldn't understand the menu. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll get a mocha. And then in the end, I'm like, even the mocha, I don't know how to order. It's like, uh, do you want a mocha latte or a mocha? And I'm like, uh okay, you know what? I and because I have this personality, right? I fear that when I go and ask someone for help, like I'm asked a barrister for help. Well, it's their job, right? They they would be helpful, right? But then I feel like maybe I might get one that's a little bit snarky and then I don't want to have that experience, you know. So in the end I just ordered a hot chocolate. That was the only thing I knew how to order at Starbucks. Uh, yeah, so pretty pathetic, but it's true. I don't know how to deal with it, man. And they have like grande, right? Which I think that's how they pronounce it, grande. Which is not large, by the way. Grande is not large. Can you understand this 
grande, which is, I don't know, in some language is means grand or big or large, right? But it's not large, it's small. And venti is large. So grande, I was like, grande, okay, that's like, that's going to be big, right? That's that's a Grand Canyon. <laughs> how, how small can it be? But in Starbucks, grande is small and venti is large. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was interesting. But uh, I I didn't want to go to Starbucks. But it was a convenient place to meet someone, and I needed to talk to someone about something. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to show you my house. Uh, let's meet at Starbucks. <laughs> I didn't say that, like, uh, but uh, I think they understood. Like uh, when when I tell people like. Uh, Let's meet at the Starbucks at this place, and they know that that Starbucks is like right near my house. Basically, it means I don't want to invite them to my house. Uh, not that I don't want to, but uh, my wife, um, yeah, is a bit careful about the the whole COVID thing, and and also showing people the house as well. Yeah, uh, Richard, you're still here. <laughs> which is a minor miracle <laughs> considering like I'm just babbling. Uh, Sim, ironic about the topic of depression. Uh, visiting comedy clubs and watching the local comics really have really helped me. No kidding me. Oh, okay. So um, comedy helps for you, Richard. Yeah, I guess for me, it's kind of like comedy is a fun uh, distraction. So I, I enjoy that. Um, yeah, but... You know, sometimes people talk about comedians and they say like, oh, you bring uh, you bring joy, you know, to people or you you bring um, or sometimes the comedians say say it themselves. They say like, oh, you know, um, I my job is to bring laughter and happiness to people. I'm not so sure about it. You know, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I bring laughter. I'm not sure laughter is the same as happiness or, um, but maybe it's relief, right? It's it's like you re release endorphins to uh, feel relief. Yeah. Anyway, the whole mood thing, happiness and sadness, uh, scientifically, it's just chemicals, right? Yeah, you have the right balance and then you're okay. So I, I don't know what my chemicals are. <laughs> Maybe I... If only there was like a way to have a reading, you know, have a... If only they can have one machine that just does your reading. And I don't know what the machine is called, but it's going to have a name and it's going to cost a, <laughs> a billion bucks because it's going to it's gonna be really popular. But it just reads everybody's chemicals and say, okay, this is what you need. You just need one gram of this and two grams of this, and then you'll be you'll be fine. You'll be feeling uh, normal and happy. Hey, Jimmy Earl. Uh, good morning, I think. Yeah, I guess you're driving. So, yeah, keep your eyes on the road. Uh, I think, Jimmy, I'm going to take a break this week. I was thinking about it and uh, I I have other things that even if I was staying home I still would have liked to do and I never I never allowed myself to do it and then uh, yeah I, I spent the whole week playing computer games so I've, I've no I've, I can't really you know 
justify it this week but um yeah i i would like to uh, work on my youtube idea which is to write these letters uh and then i have an idea how to shoot it so that the letter is kind of in my background i i I shouldn't reveal too much of it, but uh, there's some camera tricks I I feel like uh, trying out, which could be fun to try. Um, what else am I gonna talk about? Gosh, I have nothing. New segment. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the new segment is called I don't know how to order at Starbucks. That's not a new segment. New segment could be confession time. Maybe maybe the next. Every week, maybe I should do one confession. Like I don't know how to order at Starbucks, and then next week is uh, something else that I'll figure out this week. That um, learning about myself, right? <laughs> All my, if to make it sound nice, I might say idiosyncrasies. Uh, uh, but to make it uh, sound more truthful, is probably more like idiocy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, new segment? No, no. This week, what a lot of things happened this week. Uh, I was kind of paying attention to the news a little bit, and then I kind of realized, like, ah, nothing's really happening. Uh, I mean, okay, our prime minister got convicted, right, of seven charges, all seven charges uh, in the SRC case. And I don't know if there are other cases. There should be other cases as well, but the main one was the SRC case. The funny thing is... The SRC case is 42 million ringgit, right? Which is a lot of money. But he was found with 2.6 billion ringgit in his account. So like, surely there are other cases, right? Is that the only one or are they? So I, I don't know. Maybe somebody smarter can tell me that. And then there's... um. And then because all uh, seven charges were running concurrently as the way... It happens in Malaysia. He, if they weren't running concurrently, like there was a max, like and okay, if they weren't running concurrently, the maximum uh, charge for I think CBT was like twenty years maximum, uh, and three cases would be sixty years, and then there was uh, I think money laundering was fifteen years maximum or something like that. So three charges would be uh, 45 years. And then there was another one, which was uh, abuse of power, I think, which was 20 years maximum. Uh, something like that, uh, if I remember correctly. So if you added it all together, it would be 125 years if, if, the, if the maximum was a uh, sentence. But in the end, the judge uh, decided, uh, well, almost never you get the maximum right unless you did something really really bad which uh he kind of did <laughs> and uh so in the end he got uh 12 years but they were all running concurrently so uh so it was just 12 years and a fine of 250 million which is compared to 42 million is a lot but compared to 2.6 billion it's uh, very little <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. So make of it what you will, but that's what happened this week. Uh, and I shouldn't give too many more opinions on that. 
because I don't want to end up like someone making a police report in God knows where, and then I gotta go there to be questioned for five days, just like Patrick Kiel, right? Uh, yeah. So that was that one, and then, uh, and then that wasn't that wasn't the only thing, you know. Um, a lot of people were eating this um, super ring, which is this knockoff cheezels that uh, is very popular here in Malaysia. And I was wondering why I couldn't figure it out. And uh, then the next day, like my wife explained to me, and even her explanation, I wasn't I wasn't sure whether it was the real explanation. She said the super ring uh, looks like handcuffs. Uh, so they were eating that to celebrate that our uh, prime minister was finally convicted, our ex-prime minister. And uh, I was like, I wasn't sure about that. So I Googled it and turns out um, he was eating super ring in a tweet, in a picture that he tweeted or posted on Twitter or Instagram to to mock when uh, I think his political opponent, uh, Tun Dr. Mahathir, was uh, kicked out of PPBM, right? Uh, and so people are kind of celebrating by eating Super Ring to mock him. Uh, so kind of a little bit of uh, poetic justice, I guess, uh, which people really, Malaysians really enjoy. Um, yeah, so that was that 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 one, the conviction, and then the the super ring thing that people were having fun with, and then the other the other two things the, that happened that seem big to me. I'm still trying to understand whether it is as big as I think, which is BN left PN. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It seems like BN is not really friends with PPBM anymore. So BN has left uh, Perikatan Nasional. And but they still say like, oh, we are still friends with the rest of we're still we're still part of MN, which is to say uh we are still friends with everybody else except for PPBM, right? So yeah, a bit of a mini Brexit thing happening uh, politically. And yes, yeah, speaking of which, there was also the Sabah State Assembly, which was dissolved, which means they need a new state elections, which is, yeah, I don't know if this is, has this ever happened? I, yeah, Sabah and Sarawak has their own elections, right? Or no, Sabah has the same elections with Peninsula, but Sarawak has his own election. Is that, is that? What I remember correctly, I I should know this stuff, but I don't. <laughs> Sabah had its election, general election, together with us. Sarawak is kind of, has his own election at a different time. That's what I remember. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I had dinner. We, we came home from dinner just now. We were having dinner with some friends, uh, their daughter, is going to Singapore to study. And we were talking and it almost seems like always the conversation will be at some point, if you're having a casual conversation with friends, at some point the, the conversation will always include 
the COVID situation in America. We were talking about Australia as well. Australia going back into lockdown, which is sad. And I that got me thinking about maybe we might get back into lockdown. And although I always say I enjoy staying home, but I really don't want to go back into uh, into the full MCO again. Your prime minister, that shit is expected, no? Um, okay. If you think of like how ridiculous it is that someone who is a government servant has 2.6 billion ringgit uh, and he didn't, I mean, he didn't come from that kind of money. Uh, it is ridiculous if he was, if he was acquitted, right? But at the same time, we are in Malaysia and we always kind of expect the judiciary to show signs of being not very independent. But then again, he isn't exactly in power at the moment. You could argue that it might be beneficial for the current prime minister within the coalition and within the party if this ex-prime minister is convicted because then it will instill more confidence in the current administration. And also, arguably, you could say it gets rid of a political opponent. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. Is he on a suicide watch? Uh, not sure. He'll probably appeal, right? Um, yes, I think there's going to be a long appeal process. And when that is exhausted... Mm, yeah, then that's that. I I did read this uh, news article that was kind of uh, analyzing that situation before his uh, uh, that last trial, and they said that if he if he was convicted because at that time he wasn't if he was convicted uh, which he is now, uh, he would still be able to be a member remain as a member of parliament until his appeal process is exhausted. But if there is a snap election, if uh, suddenly tomorrow parliament is dissolved and we need a new election, he would not be able to contest. He would not be able to run. Uh, so that was that kind of like the, the way things work here, which is, it seems ridiculous that someone... <laughs> with a with a case can remain as a representative of the people as a member of parliament but uh it's how it's always been here and we kind of i don't understand this about the law in the sense that okay we always watch like uh, law drama series on TV and we learn this from it and I, I think it's true, right? Where they always cite a previous case and that sets up precedence. But what if the precedence is wrong? Can't you change it? Is it just stuck forever? Is that how? Is that how the law works? I never really felt very comfortable with that. I never really understood that. But yeah, there's lots of things I don't understand. Okay, Pat from Japonto says, 
As for the race, it's still ongoing with Hamilton and Bottas in the top two positions. Wow, Lewis Hamilton still very good, huh? Because uh, he was like the last time I played, I paid attention to Formula One was probably uh, twelve years ago, and Lewis Hamilton was already like uh, uh, winning a lot of races, still on top, huh? I think the parliamentary system is way better than what we have here, more checks and balances. Um, it's possible. Uh, yeah, I... Okay, that's interesting. Which is better? The American system? I, I think the, the big criticism about the American system is the, the first across the finish line thing, right? Which is kind of similar, I guess. Uh, the electoral college, right? But we, we, we do have kind of a si similar problem as well, but maybe to a lesser degree. Like in Singapore, I think... Ah, Petfern, maybe you can you can tell me about the, the recent Singapore elections. It's like the ruling coalition, they had like 60 over percent of the votes, but they had like... 90 over percent of the seats is that what happened which is i mean that's a that's a bit ridiculous right um what else are we gonna talk about uh that what a class action is all about oh a class action so when the when you need to change something and the precedence is set and it's wrong then you need a class action suit is that how it works um yeah so yeah that was interesting Huh, so the that means the premier's wife made a boo-boo like I mean like attacking someone who's a member of parliament, I guess. Uh and then finding out that your husband's doing something similar. But then you're in a much higher position. You're the you're, you know. My husband is the premier, you know. That's uh that's kind of a bad exchange, I guess. I feel there's no real better system. There needs to be a balance between the two. Hmm, what would be perfect? I I don't really understand the two systems enough to really uh figure out like if you take which which parts are better than the other, yeah. Not her first boo boo. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times I think uh, a lot of these uh, leaders. Um, the wife is always the one that either makes or breaks. Sometimes the whole thing. Um, although, wasn't it this premier's wife was the one that people were in the beginning. Uh, saying was very good she took public transport or something like that or am i thinking of someone else maybe maybe that was all for sure right <sighs> what else do we have i think we're done guys it's like an hour that's like a really bad podcast episode <laughs> Oh, man. 
Um, I was okay. Jimmy Earl says dictatorship maybe is the best system. If he or she was cool, yeah, I agree. <laughs> if only there was such a thing as a benevolent dictator, right? It's like, yeah, this cool guy who just decides everything, but there will always be opposition, right? There will always be um, people who will be like, no, you shouldn't have done that. And then they will find some reason why you shouldn't have done it. Because there's always like, you got to make tough decisions. And when you do, you know, you're like, ah, well, this if we make this choice, um, if we make this choice, then um, the advantages are this, but the drawbacks are this. And then those drawbacks are what people are going to be harping on and like the opposition is going to be like, no, you know, I recently, it recently came to my attention that we always think of Jacinda Arden as like this lady who can't do anything wrong, right? But apparently, uh, from what I heard, some people or a lot of people are not happy with her in New Zealand. Her popularity is uh, going... Um, has been going lower because uh, they feel like she's spending a lot of money uh, that New Zealand cannot afford to spend. I, I don't know the details, but I heard it from my wife who heard it from someone else who read it from like <laughs> a world of bus or something. I don't know. But but yeah, that, that was, it's always, yeah, it's always going to be people who are unhappy. So even the benevolent dictator is gonna have have to uh, silence a few <laughs> unhappy people, I guess. I don't know. This is getting dark. This... Uh... Okay. See, here we go. Pat Fern says ninety-three parliamentary seats. The opposition now holds ten. The ruling party is holding the remaining eighty-three. So eighty-three out of ninety-three seats, right? That's what eighty-eight, eighty-nine percent. Okay, I'm gonna look this up. Okay, there's a lot of math in this uh, podcast episode, which is not a good thing. Uh, Singapore election. Uh, Popular vote. Uh, 2020 Singaporean general election, which was, yeah, just last month. And so they got 83 out of 93 seats. And they are, wait, is this popular vote? It says... It says 69.86%. So 70%, basically. 70% of the votes, but 89% of the seats. So there is a discrepancy, right? Pretty high discrepancy. Although probably the same discrepancy in Malaysia as well. Uh, hard to say, hard to say. Um. Hey, Andrew Kit, you're here. Was traffic earlier? Just came home from Banting. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we were out as well, but we didn't go as far as Banting. Pat Fern asks you, Andrew, 
bunting or run or renting <laughs> no bunting doesn't that mean a beating oh a beating is bantai no han uh hantam right hantam that's the one you you learned that day jimmy okay bunting wife's hometown haters will always hate 89 percent. okay thanks for the calculation yeah 70 percent of the votes and 89 percent of the seats that is uh some gerrymandering or some hanky panky going on there uh which is yeah, it happens everywhere so i don't want to say it but what are you gonna do right but we should do something i i don't like saying what are you gonna do it sounds good to say it but at the same time it kind of like um it it it's something that sounds american but it's also very malaysian because uh we always say like we will be like yeah this is always happening in malaysia and then we shrug our shoulders and say, malaysia boleh lah. You, know, you know it's like and malaysia boleh by the way is uh jimmy for you is uh means malaysia can it's uh, kind of a motto or slogan that we adopted years ago or the, the government kind of pushed for Malaysia to have this can-do spirit. Malaysia can do it, you know. And the people have been using it ironically because it's like every time there's corruption, every time, uh, you know, something happens like a... Like a um, chief minister who is uh, charged with 47 uh, cases of CBT and corruption, uh, is acquitted of all 47 charges. Then we just shrug our shoulders and say, Malaysia boleh law, you know, which is our way of saying, what are you going to do? This is always happening. This country is fucked up. And I don't like that, you know. I, I, I feel like, it's giving up, you know, it's like we're giving up too easy. Yeah, but it's kind of in our vocabulary now. It's kind of like our way of ending a conversation sometimes because we are just so sick of, you know, not having the solution. Uh, but yeah. Okay, so Pat Friend says 69% of the vote because the remaining 31% of the vote was spread among the different opposition parties. Uh, oh, right. So, but then they still have, but that, that doesn't explain why the ruling uh, party or the ruling coalition has... 83 out of 93 seats, right? It only explains why the second largest party doesn't have uh, a bigger share, right? I really think a dictatorship... Okay, Jimmy Earl says, I really think a dictatorship might be the way to go. Human nature makes any system difficult. Okay. Um, yeah. But look at China or North Korea. Yeah. 
what's okay let's think about okay this this is a fun exercise we can do let's think about what was the best dictatorship ever in history uh can you guys think of one um probably we have to go way back to the old days before like um history it, go back way back into the mists of antiquity when nobody really knows what really went on right then we can say maybe nebuchadnezzar or echonethan or, or one of those guys they might be have been a, a benevolent uh, dictator uh but if we if we look at more recent history, it's like it's gonna be hard to find one dictator that uh, we can agree on that was like, hey, that guy was pretty all right. I don't know Who, who's your favorite guys, Napoleon, uh, Hitler? <laughs> no, definitely not Hitler. Uh, Alexander, uh, pretty sure he was a dictator, right? I don't know. He's always we always think of. Um, we always think of him as the great general. Um, why is it? Oh, this is another thought, an interesting one that we can explore. Why is it that we always worship warriors? What What is the whole deal with warriors? Why is the word warrior uh, such a noble thing or such a highly thought of thing? Um. Yeah, why is it like a great general is like someone to look up to? Like, he could be a mass murderer, right? Why do we uh, put that profession so so high up on the list of like, this is what you should, this is what a man is, you know? This guy is a warrior. Don't mess with him. Why? Why? Why is it like that? Why isn't it like fuck that guy? He's a warrior. He kills people. <laughs> why? Why don't we think that? I don't know. Do we? Do we value? Like we don't even say like protector or defender or or soldier. We we, you know, even soldier has kind of like soldier is like this on the list of. Um, cool words where warrior is way up here you know so why is it that like am i the only one who, th who thinks that is the the level that we we that we place on these words why is a warrior a cool thing in our culture okay so pat says to me the only dictatorship that seems to work is cuba hmm okay that's interesting there you go Andrew Kitt says Genghis Khan. Oh, man. All right. Okay. So Andrew's favorite is Genghis Khan. Uh, wasn't Julius Caesar a badass? Uh, I think he was. I don't know. But but then again, it was also like... um, Maybe he wasn't enough of a dictator. Maybe the, the Roman... Um, what do you call it? The Republic or the, is it the Republic? Yeah, it is right. Um, 
maybe it didn't allow him to be enough of a dictator. That's why he got he got killed. Hey, Prakash, what's up? We are talking about things that we don't really know because um, we, the topic right now is actually who is your favorite dictator? Like um, we, are, we are trying to, because uh, Jimmy brought up the the idea that um, the best um, the best system of government is actually a dictatorship. So we are trying to decide on who is the best dictator and then, uh, and then we will figure out whether dictatorships work because I can't really... I'm kind of scratching my head to think of a, a good dictator in not just recent, but any history, you know? So that's that's the fun we're having with now on this Sunday night because uh, we're all very bored people here. <laughs> Castro, that's his name, yeah, Fidel Castro. We have been conditioned to look up to courageous men. Okay, yeah, okay. The, the other thing we were discussing, Prakash, was um, why do we always value warriors highly in at least like in literature or or in speech we always, don't mess with this guy he's a real warrior you know and, and it's like but warriors kill people so why is it that why is it that they are highly regarded and to be a good warrior you have to be have courage right so we value courage and warriors have courage so we we think like highly of them because they have courage but they could be they could be assholes, right? They could be the the bullies. <laughs> they can use their that courage to be bullying other people. I don't know. Maybe bullying is not a courageous thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean it's not. I mean you you can bully someone who's smaller than you. That's not cur that's not courage, right? Empire. My favorite dictator is my father and high school principal, Mr. Liang. Okay, so two dictators right there. So your dad was a dictator and your high school principal, Mr. Liang. Yeah, actually a lot of um, boys actually kind of look up to their either their principal or their discipline teacher or their teacher who kind of was a badass and a bit of a father figure and also uh, instilled discipline. How about Sasha Baron Cohen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dictator, right? Um, that was the whole uh, name of the movie was The Dictator, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, he's the worst man. <laughs> he, he basically thought of what it would be to be the worst dictator and then he just uh, wrote that into the script. Yeah. Which is... I mean, when he he brings it to a level where it's so ridiculous, and then you just you just laugh at it because it's like no way this is real. But at the same time, this is kind of like a a parody of something that is real, you know. And so we love that. My favorite warrior is Zena, the uh, the warrior princess. Oh yeah, Lucy Lawless, awesome. Okay, Mahathir. Andrew Kidd says, Mahathir is allegedly a good dictator in disguise of democracy. At least quite a bit of great things came out during his time. Yeah, I think he did some things right and he did some uh, things that were not so good in the long run. Um, but I think he did kind of uh, centralize a lot of uh, power in under the prime minister's department and uh, i think the two min prime ministers after him also kind of continued the tradition of moving more and more people into the prime minister's department 
and centralizing all the power in Kenya, in a way, turning the democracy into a dictatorship a little bit. And that wasn't good. If you believe in checks and balances, then uh, you would say that is not a good thing. But if like Jimmy Earl, you believe in a, a dictatorship, then maybe it is a good thing. You know, As long as you have a good person in the top position and he doesn't get you know, backstabbed by someone like uh, Julius Caesar. <laughs> I feel like I've run out of things to say, guys, but uh, you guys are here now, so I feel like I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't waste this and end the stream, even though it is a podcast and I should end it. <laughs> what else can we talk about? Um, who is the oldest historical figure that everybody can think of? And this is kind of debatable because we're going into biblical times probably. I guess Adam. Adam is the oldest and there's no and no one before him, right? Ah, that was stupid. That was a stupid exercise, Sim. What are you doing? Let's read more smart comments. The one thing, the one funny thing Tun did all the time was every time his chair was getting too hot, he'd bring up the water issue with Singapore and then everyone would be distracted. Oh, okay, yeah, that's the old trick, right? Yeah, you're right, you're right. And then people would be like, ah, fuck those Singaporeans. And then it's like, yeah, I'm the hero. <laughs> that's how you do it, man. That's how you run a dictatorship. God, man, this is... this. Uh, I should delete this podcast. I shouldn't even... I should just start over tomorrow with another podcast episode and upload that. End the podcast, but carry on the chat. Okay, we could do that. Uh, yeah, the podcast is long enough. Let's 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 do. It. Okay, let's carry on the chat. I'm gonna keep going live, and we're gonna keep talking. Uh, and I will uh, just cut all this out so that I <laughs> don't get detained by the police. I don't. I don't want to do a Patrick too. I really don't want to. Okay. Um. Yeah, man. Uh, who was your favorite warrior since Prakash has started? The, the, his favorite is Xena, uh, the princess warrior, um, which is really badass. I, if you think in terms of movies, I think the Black Panther is pretty cool. I My son was really into the Black Panther and uh, I like the idea of the Black Panther, even though that's, I mean, that's also fictional. Xena is also fictional. Um, who else was a warrior? There was uh, that was the guy that um, Brad Pitt played in Troy. That was uh, Achilles, right? And he's got those heels. <laughs> yeah. In in the movie, it wasn't a big deal. Like he he they didn't make a big deal of his like Achilles heel. They just made him like um this great warrior, and not someone who's invulnerable to you know weapons or anything like in the legend. Oh, Braveheart. Yeah. Uh, this reminds me of this. Oh, my God. Braveheart. Because Braveheart was played by Mel Gibson. And it reminds me of this old bit, man. But uh, not, not, maybe not an old bit, but it's, it's a bit by Gary Goldman. <laughs> He's talking about, uh, it was a, really a bit about, um, what was it? Blockbuster video. Angie, my Achilles heel is alcohol. Ah, yes, that is true. Funny, but I never got into the warrior thing. 
oh, really? You don't like to watch those movies where it's like one guy beating up like a million people? Speaking of those movies, right? Um, I never really watched those um, Ranjini Khan movies <laughs> before. And then I was introduced to it by my friend. And then like uh, he showed me this one where he just... He was like a robot and he could turn in... He was like a, this super weapon or something. And he could basically fly around. He could like his and he can turn himself into a missile and he can duplicate into a, like a million like uh, copies of him and basically he could do everything like you took all the superpowers of all the superheroes and gave it to one guy that was him and i was like wow this is the most ridiculous like i've seen some really ridiculous things happening in uh, those movies before but like this is something else at first, I was like, are people really able to suspend their disbelief and, you know, go along with this kind of uh, story? But then when I when I think about it, it's like, well, the beauty of it is that it's so ridiculous, right? It's like people know it's ridiculous. They expect it to be ridiculous. So every time they go to a movie like that, they would just want to see, like, what is the next level now? The last movie, you know, it was that ridiculous this movie we expect it to be at least way up here you know so yeah i kind of understand it now uh i've got two live music and recently live comedy oh okay cool yeah yeah live music and live comedy and alcohol that would be that would be fun uh i'd watch movies like that but not into it ah okay yeah, uh, I was thinking of this one, right? Um, live music, live comedy, alcohol. Uh, I like these three things, but I don't actually like going to like a club. Like when I was young, there was this idea that we would go to a club and try to meet women, right? And I was, it was one of those things that was kind of like, ingrained in us or in me that like this is what people do this is what cool people do uh since i was in i guess even as early as uh secondary school i was like seeing it on television i was seeing i was hearing it and then uh in uni you got to see it and live it a little bit and then when you're a young adult, you're like, okay, you know, carry on, you know, go to the club, meet women. And then one day I just realized like, this is not working. This is like the worst place to meet women, you know, <laughs> or, or meet, uh, I, I'm saying women, but like basically to meet someone of the opposite sex, because it's like, you can't hear anything each other are saying. It's dark and like, it's just, and I, like, I don't dance. I just go there and just feel, like, out of place. And so, yeah, one day I just decided, like, okay, either this isn't cool or I'm not cool. I think it's more the latter. And, uh, yeah, so I just, I think one day in my late 20s, I just accepted that, like, yeah, I'm not cool. <laughs> it's like, 
all these years, I thought like I'm just barely hanging on to cool. And then one day I just realized like, hey, you know what? You're not cool. Stop trying to be cool. And then, uh, and then I felt like uh, it was okay, you know. And then I met my wife and uh, yeah, I didn't have to be cool. And then years later, uh, in my 40s, I realized that uh, it was kind of cool to be not cool in a weird way. Um, when you're in your 20s, you're just trying to be cool, I think. Or at least I was. When I was in my 30s, I kind of gave up. And I became a dad. And then like uh, in my 40s, I'm like, you're a dad. You're never going to be cool. Like, you're going to go back in time and try to be the cool that you never were <laughs> when you were, you know, 15 years old onwards. Uh, yeah, it's too far gone, right? And then I found comedy. And comedy is great for me because it's like I can talk about how uncool i am and people will laugh and that's cool right and it's kind of really backwards okay let's let's get back on track i, I totally went off on a tangent there and then uh, we were I, I we were talking about something and then i went off on a total different tangent and i want to come back to what pat Fern was saying pat Fern was saying i watch movies like that but not into it yeah so um yeah we we would enjoy movies action movies right but um we don't really necessarily have to believe that, uh, you know, um, the best man is actually Arnold Schwarzenegger or some, you know, or Brad Pitt or someone like that, right? How about revenge movies like Law Abiding Citizen with Gerard Butler and Death Sentence with Kevin Bacon? I actually haven't seen either of those, so, but uh, I'm sure other people have, so we can discuss that. Uh, the Taken Dude, oh, okay, for revenge movies, yeah, that. Was it revenge? It was more to rescue his daughter, right? Rescue his daughter, then rescue his wife. His whole family is always getting kidnapped. He's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Prakash has a has a recommendation for me. It's called Prakash says you have to watch Bahu Bali. I guess this is a Ranjini Khan movie. Uh yes, I will watch it. <laughs> Add it to the list of things I am supposed to watch, but haven't. This little piece of paper, by the way, has like all the recommendations from like Nuha and uh, Brandon, I think, some of these. And then like uh, <laughs> the other day, who was talking about Tom Yum Cook? Oh, no, that was from the stand-up show. <laughs> but then I was like, Tom Yum Cook. I want to try that. Basically, Tom Yum Soup and Coca-Cola. Sounds horrible, right? But worth a try. I like hanging out at the beach club. Can't remember the name of the road it was on. Uh, the beach club. Um, is it Jalan Pinang? I forgot. It's the one that leads to KLCC, right? Is that the beach club? Yeah. It's on Netflix. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm going to watch it. Uh, if it's you know available just on my computer... And I do have a Netflix account, so yes, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier if it's on Netflix. If it's like I have to torrent it or do something illegal like that. Uh, not to say I wouldn't, but uh, I actually never figured out how to torrent something, you know. Because, uh, yeah, part of it is that, uh, yeah, I'm not that keen to try and do 
that thing anymore. I used to I used to download stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm not above it. I used to download songs on uh, LimeWire and Napster before that. Uh, but those days are gone. My my days of being a pirate are over. I'm a landlubber now. It's a combination of Ranjini Khan meets a lot of the rings meets Gladiator meets Santa meets Terminator. <laughs> oh my God. It's a, okay. I, I got to read this properly because it's a combination of Ranjini Khan meets Lord of the Rings meets Gladiator meets Scent of a Woman meets Terminator. Oh man. That sounds like the movie I watched. That actually sounds like the movie I watched. Um, although I don't, maybe not Lord of the Rings, but the movie I watched was kind of like, he was kind of like the Terminator. <laughs> he could basically do anything. It was like the, the, the T1 million or something. <laughs> Korean revenge movies are the best. Uh, example, oh boy. Oh man, those are, I think I know the one you're talking about. I saw the trailer and it, I either saw the trailer, or I saw a video clip from YouTube and it's really bloody, right? This guy is like an assassin or something. And it's three hours of your life you won't get back, Prakash says. Yeah, I expect it to be three hours. Uh, <laughs> those movies are always like, yeah, two hours and 55 minutes, <laughs> three hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. That sentence appears to be quite underrated. The revenge sequences and intensity were freakishly realistic. I... Okay, this is just me. Lah. I like action movies, but I don't like too much blood. Too much... Uh, maybe I'm squeamish. I I don't like too much gratuitous uh, um, decapitations and blood splattering on everyone's faces and things like that. Just a few gunshot wounds here and there, and then they don't show you too much. I'm okay with that, yeah. Indian movies always give you the most value for your money. It's like those, you know, those uh, Stephen Chow movies, those Chow Sing Chi movies. Basically, you want him to be ridiculous, right? You want him to be stupid. You don't want him to be realistic or trying to make something that's like an Oscar-winning thing. <laughs> you, you just go in there and you're like, okay, I want to see how ridiculous this is, which was what his last two movies really were. Just Shaolin Soccer and uh, Kung Fu Hustle, right? Kung Fu Hustle was just, uh, I can summarize the the movie in about one minute, I think. Good guy defeats bad guy. Another better bad guy defeats good guy and kills him. And then a good guy defeats this other bad guy. And then another bad guy defeats this good guy. And then they're all injured. And then this guy in the beginning of the movie, he suddenly learns the ultimate kung fu, and then he beats the bad guy up, and then the movie ends. Uh, and that's also kind of the plot of the whole Avengers series. I gotta say, <laughs> I'm sorry, my uh, Brandon's gonna hate this when I say this because <laughs> Brandon loves the Avengers, and my son does as well. Um, I think for me, 
for someone my age, we're just crazy over the uh, Star Star Wars franchise, right? For my son, it's the Avengers because he kind of grew up with the Avengers. So, um, yeah, so the Avengers was just uh, at first it was uh, who was the strongest? It was basically the Hulk, right? And he he beat up Loki, so the Hulk's the strongest. And then in the next movie, you find out like, uh, oh, actually, uh, Thor's the strongest. And then, and then, uh, and then later they find out um, Ultron's the strongest. And then Ultron gets defeated by Vision, so Vision's the strongest. And then uh, Iron Man builds this new armor, and he's the strongest, you know. And then uh, Thanos, he comes along, beats everyone up, and now he's the he's the ultimate strongest, right? And then they came up with the Marvel Miss, no, um, the Captain Marvel movie, and she was a badass. You know? And then the question was, wow. So the question now is, is she stronger than Thanos? And it turns out that was the whole the that was what the last movie was about. And then uh, it turns out she couldn't defeat Thanos because he had the gloves, right? Although it seemed to hint that she was stronger than him. Uh. And then, uh, yeah, we know how the movie ends, and I'm not gonna spoil it for you guys. But, but that's my summary of the the whole Marvel's uh, universe, uh, cinematic universe. Uh, okay, let, let's see. Where we, I I think I'm gonna allow myself to stop watching. It's okay not to be okay. I think I'm okay to stop watching it. because uh, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere after half uh, half an episode, uh, at least for me. Yeah. I just like okay the the people in it are beautiful but like this whole character uh like the female character the female lead I just feel like her character is just there to make her look cool and the, every scene is just to make her look cool it's just a lot of posing and not much storytelling is that fair to say? I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too harsh here. I don't know how to make a TV series. I shouldn't judge people. IMDB needs to hire him to write their movie synopsis. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, uh, hire me. I will write like your your nine movie or uh, eight movie. Uh, it's not even called a trilogy anymore, is it? Like uh, your your eight movies string together thingamabob. I would summarize it in a minute. There isn't a whole lot of original plot anymore, is there? Um, I don't know. I, I, I would like to think there is. But then just that because making a movie costs a lot of money, people want to make sure that it makes money. So they will go with the old... Um, there's a few formulas, I guess. There's the old uh, rom-com where, you know, this guy, he likes this girl, and then he can't get the girl, and then finally he gets the girl, and then he loses the girl, and then he has to kind of realize, like, he was being a dick. And then he has to get remember what, uh, whatever the, the theme of the movie is uh, in the title. And then he remembers that, and then he gets the girl back by making this speech. 
his Jerry Maguire moment, and then uh, and then they live happily ever after. And then uh, if they show you what happens next, then two years later they get a they get a separation, you know. Um, but you don't see that. <laughs> uh, man. We don't go to the movies for reality, right? Um, yeah, I was just talking to Nuha yesterday about like um, being in the US. I realized that more than half my friends had parents who were divorced. And I was like, at one point I was like, am I like the only one? I mean, my I mean, my parents are not American, so it's not a comparison. But like among our group, it's like, Everyone's parents were divorced except me. Yeah. So that's how common it is, I guess. And G says, all the movies produced by Stephen Chow the last few years has been shite. I think his best movie by far is Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, Kung Fu Hustle wasn't his latest movie. I thought that was his latest. Because that was, that was so old. That was like 20 years ago, right? So that there is more reason than that, but they were really bad. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. This movie never fails to crack me up. Yeah, just ridiculous, right? It's just... Uh, no, his earlier were so good. God of Cookery is one of the best Stephen Chow movies. Yeah, that's the one that everybody talks about, the God of Cookery. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, CJ7 was later than Kung Fu Hustle, right? CJ7 was the one with a little alien that could do magic, which is... Kind of like, why do aliens always have to be able to do magic? Like E.T. could kind of do a little bit of magic. And C.J. Seven could do magic. And then, uh, was it Elf who could also do magic? Or am I thinking of something else? And the mermaid was bad, but it made Stephen Chow make the money though. Oh, okay. So C.J. Seven and the mermaid were both bad, but... They still made money because people buy into the hype, I guess. It's like, okay, I'm going to make another analogy that's a comedy analogy. It's like when you uh, do a set as a comedian uh, and you're performing a set and your first nine jokes work, right? And now the crowd trusts you. Then your 10th joke, you kind of get a freebie. Maybe that your maybe even your tenth and eleventh joke, you kind of get a freebie. You kind of can ride that wave, you know, and just cruise because you you can just say something in a funny way, and it's not necessarily the best joke or not necessarily the funniest thing, but the crowd trusts you by now, and they're like, "Oh, okay, another punchline. Here it comes. Oh, yay!" And then they laugh, right? Uh, maybe that's what's going on with these two movies. It's like, uh, yeah, it was crap but people were like hey it was pretty good you know it was Stephen Chow what are you complaining about have you guys watched Kung Pao Enter the Fist yes I have watched that it is really good Kung Pao was basically uh, I think in the 70s was it the 70s or 80s yeah I think it was the 70s when they were um, when there was a lot of movies uh, making this it was called Bruce exploitation basically it was like bruce lee kind of started all these um kung fu movies that were i think made in chinese but dubbed in other languages and and so there were so many movies uh back then there was just kind of uh wrote that wave of like oh everybody likes this now let's do this right 
and I think Kung Pao was a movie made in the 90s, I want to say, that kind of made fun of those 70 Bruce Ploitation movies, I think. And it was really ridiculous. One guy, <laughs> one guy punched another guy, and there was uh, this big hole in their torso. Uh, yeah, sorry about all these spoilers, but like, uh, I just, yeah, I can't help it. So this guy punched the other, another guy and it was like a, a huge hole in the torso and it's so ridiculous. It's it's like, I think even Stephen Chow would be like, oh my God, that is that is too ridiculous. <laughs> CJ7 and The Mermaid were made quite a few years ago. His newer ones were usually screened every Chinese New Year, but I always end up disappointed. Oh, okay. I hate those Chinese New Year movies where it's like, starts off as a drama or starts off as I don't know what and then and then like within like two minutes turns into a, a comedy and then it's just ridiculous and then uh, characters get added in for no reason and then towards the end it's all of a sudden it's like oh we reached a 90 minute mark everybody just uh, get up from whatever you're doing and um, wish everyone ch happy Chinese New Year and then, like, you know, everybody gets along in the end. Yeah, something like that. There was a Hindi movie that borrowed E.T.'s premise, huh? combined with a few others. When the fucking alien sang, I wanted to burn down the cinema on the spot. <laughs> this is from Rishad. Um, uh, I, I keep having to mention the name, by the way, because of the audio listeners, okay? Um, so that's what I'm doing. Um there was a Hindi movie that borrowed from E.T.'s premise combined with a few others. So I think this is, the, like, you remember what Prakash said about the, the, the what's the name of the book? Uh, Bahubali, was it? Yeah, Bahubali. It's like Lord of the Rings meets uh, Scent of a Woman <laughs> meets The Terminator. Basically, it's like, what movies do I like? I like these six movies. Let's put them all into this this movie that's going to be my um you know movie to end all movies like how can it go wrong if it has got this six movies in it and then uh yeah and then you make <laughs> just this frankenstein thing right <laughs> <laughs> he said, Rashad said, when the fucking alien sang, I wanted to burn down the cinema on the spot. <laughs> That's okay, okay. <laughs> I had to read it again. It was so good. Also, fun fact Stephen Chow never wanted to do comedy. When he did all the TVB series, he was always he always played the villain character. Yes, I re actually remember one where he was kind of like the selfish guy, but also kind of not very smart so there was some self-deprecating thing like this there was this one scene from that tv series that was very famous was he was just crossing the street and he wanted to look like um like Choi yun fat from the gangster movies right from the a better tomorrow yeah he wanted to look like Choi yun fat from a better tomorrow so he had like the the, the suit the trench coat the hair and he was walking in slow motion across the street and he was looking so stylish. And then they zoom out from that scene and everyone else was walking in regular speed and he was walking in slow motion. So it was just him trying to be cool, but it wasn't cool. Yeah, so that was that was kind of like the scene that everybody remembers from him being in those uh, TVB series. Yeah. 
Kung Pao and ending looks like they should have a sequel, but nothing came. So sad. Oh, this is from Andrew Kidd. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember the ending already, but I guess it's the regular Jackie Chan movie and ending where um, good guy beats the bad guy. Yeah. By the way, I love Jackie Chan movies. Uh, a lot of people who like Bruce Lee, they usually say like, yeah, Jackie Chan is another Bruce Poitation guy, but I I love the direction he took it. You know, it's comedy plus kung fu. And some of those early movies he he did he did do some great stunts um and a lot of great stunts actually. Uh and uh also some great fight scenes. There was one scene from I think Meals on Wheels when uh, Jackie Chan fought with uh Benny Urquides, Benny the Jet. And uh yeah, that was a great fight. Um, I'm sure it was sped up a lot to to make it look good, but it's still, yeah, great fight to watch. Hence why, if you see Stephen Chow also tried to be an asshole in his movies, but it has a comedic twist to it. Yeah, that's right. That's his character, right? All of his movies, generally, he's like an asshole that becomes a good guy at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that that happens in a lot of his movies. I think that's the, the hero's journey, I guess, that... Um, you kind of need, otherwise it's uh, very two-dimensional. That's interesting. Shanghai Beach? Uh, no, 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 not that gangster movie. Although that was a uh, gangster TV series that uh, that uh, Chen Yun-Fat was in. But the one that I was talking about was um, Stephen Chow was actually uh, emulating, uh, yeah, trying to reproduce the, the scene from uh, A Better Tomorrow. It was Chen Yun-Fat, it was not like a Shanghai 1930s or 1920s uh, gangster style. It was kind of like a modern day gangster style. Modern as in this movies were in the 80s, I think. Um, 80s or 90s? Late 80s? I think late 80s. Um, it was those era when people wear those, um, you know, those dark glasses. Not, not Ray-Bans, but those... Those really square dark glasses with a plastic frame. Yeah. There was a time when uh, everybody wore those uh, sunglasses. Uh, and it was kind of... The trend was kind of pushed by that movie quite a bit. Uh, the the Chow Yun-Fat one, not the Stephen Chow one. Also, there is a Hindi movie called Hari Putar, A Comedy of Terrors, which is based on Home Alone. Oh my God. this This podcast is just... Uh, so cool. It's just a repository of like, uh, which movie was kind of like from inspired by what other movie. I, I love this. Rishad Bakshani, I watched this and I wanted to burn down the TV. La. <laughs> this is from Prakash Daniel. Um, yeah, Prakash says. Also, there is a Hindi movie called Hari Puta, a comedy of terrors, which is based on Home Alone. Rishad Bakshani, I watched this and I wanted to burn down the TV. La. Um, yeah, it's when you watch something, it's inspired by something else, but they copy a lot out of it. That's, then it's no longer like so much like inspiration. It's more like copying. And, uh, and then it becomes like, I guess you see too much of it. See too much copying and then it's not so cool, I guess. You remember the first time we saw The Matrix? It was amazing, right? And then you saw... um. You saw when uh, Trinity, she just jumped up and did that karate kid thing in midair where she just 
did that karate kid uh, crane kick, right? But she was doing it in midair, and the cameras just spun around her. It was actually like they lined up like, I don't know, 32 cameras or something ridiculous like that. And they just were taking her pictures one camera at a time. And then they stitched it all together to look like the camera was panning while she was, you know, freeze framed in midair, which is actually impossible because she would have, you know, moved, but she didn't move. It was just freeze framed. So it was like, wow, how did they do that? Right. And that was so cool. And then like... 12 other movies did that move and like this this is not cool anymore this is just a cliche trope now you know uh mark Kaur, yeah that's the name that's the name of Acharya and fat's character now i remember um his name was mark and um you know big brother mark is mark Kaur, yeah oh damn harry Puta! i'm gonna put it on my to watch list i'm gonna do that too i'm gonna add this to my list so that when i'm bored in penang I'm going to watch this. By the way, uh, I think I'm not going to stream <laughs> while I'm in Penang. So Mondays, uh, Monday to Friday, which basically is tomorrow. Tomorrow to Friday, I'm in Penang. Uh, I'm going to take a break from streaming. So sorry, everybody. I'm going to apologize first. But Tuesday, except for Tuesday, we are still going to have the stand-up show because I, I want to keep that running because I just started last week. I don't want to stop. Speaking of Jackie Chan, I actually saw the filming of Police Story 3 at the KTM station near PWTC. So exciting, man. Wait, wait, wait. Ah. Is this, this is the one with Michelle Yeoh, right? Right? Yeah, I think I remember. I remember um, Jackie Chan was in KL. He was in town. And there was one scene where they were... Where were they? There was one scene where I was hanging from a helicopter. And... I think uh, one of my friends looked up and saw the helicopter and said, hey, there's a man hanging from it. This has probably got something to do with uh, Jackie Chan. And this was near the Sultan Abdul Samad building. Yeah, I think so. That's cool, man, Prakash. You got to see that. Aviator sunglasses, uh, Bing says. No, not aviator sunglasses. Aviators are like the... Wait, is it aviators? I keep thinking of aviator sunglasses as the uh, the Ray-Bans, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, Bing. What are aviator sunglasses? Now I'm curious. Are you guys curious? Eh, two hours in. What the hell? Let's let's Google it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Aviator sunglasses are kind of like Ray-Bans, but uh, the one I'm talking about are... Um... Oh, yeah, you're right. He did wear aviator sunglasses, so I was thinking wrong. Yeah, you are right, Bing. I was wrong. Yeah, there it is. Uh, better tomorrow. Uh, the Chinese movie title actually means uh, something like the way of the hero or something like that, or the style of the hero. Yeah, you're right, Bing. It's aviator sunglasses. So that trend with those um, plastic frame sunglasses, that was not a better tomorrow. That was from something around that time as well, but from a different... From a different trend, yeah. I actually stopped enjoying movies for a good many years because I kept having to watch them multiple times. Huh? I would end up analyzing the audio and would miss the movie and I hated it. Plus, it was costing me a bomb. Oh my god. That's a very interesting uh, problem, Pat Fern, for those who don't know. Um, Pat Fern worked 
as an audio engineer for many years. So it's kind of um uh what do you what do you say? It's a a habit uh, that he would always analyze the the audio of productions or movies. So you you would analyze the audio, and then you would miss the movie. This is really interesting because Shas was kind of saying the same thing where he. I mean, he doesn't say this, but he says he always pays attention to the audio and he realizes that even in Hollywood movies, the audio isn't great, which I never noticed because I mean, maybe my sense, my ear sensitivity isn't that high or I, I don't have the experience. But yeah. Uh, do you think Jimmy Fallon takes a break when he goes to Penang? I think not. <laughs> You are right. Uh, I think uh, if Jimmy Fallon goes to Penang, uh, yeah, he probably would shoot something. In, he would be shooting something. Just like Jackie Chan. Yeah. Check out that Sackway, man. Police Story 3, 1992, I think so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 1992 sounds about right. I think that's when that one happened. Uh, that's the Michelle Yeoh one, definitely. Uh, 92. Yeah. Yeah. 92. That's right. That's the one where Michelle Yeoh was actually good in a lot of those action movies. Uh, despite her political stance. <laughs> okay, well, let's not talk about her political stance or her family's political stance. But um, yeah, she, she was really good in those 90s, 80s and 90s uh, kung fu movies and uh, action movies. Yeah. Jimmy, how about you take over for a sim while he's off? That's a, that's a great idea. Except it won't work uh, for the time slot because uh, Jimmy's driving on his way to work. Now, man, you need that authentic Malaysian flair. Oh, come on, Jimmy. You can do it, Jimmy. Plus, I'll probably say something very inappropriate and end up in prison with the prime minister. Nah, you won't. Actually, Jimmy, I have to say that you are... You're actually one of the more sensitive to the times comedians that I know. Yeah. Which is a good thing. I mean, I mean this as a compliment. Yeah. You know where the line is. Yeah. And uh, some, some comedians would say there's no line. You know, if there's a line, erase the line, you know, burn the line, stab the line. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I think there is a line, but just that the line isn't, like people were like, oh, can you can you make jokes about rape? Can you make jokes about uh, pedophilia? You know, or things like that. I don't think the line is about topics. The line is wherever the line is for that day, for that room, for that audience. And as a comedian, you kind of have to have a feel for it. And then uh, on Twitter, there's a whole new line, which is why we don't really like people to record our stuff without our permission and then post it up and then like in this room people are laughing and in the on twitter people are like can canceling your career right canceling you yeah this this boomer doesn't know how to <laughs> this gen xer doesn't know how to use the terms properly the line is the time limit and sim has an answer to that <laughs> i don't have the button i don't have the button to press it otherwise it'd be funny uh, you guys know what i'm talking about uh, Stephen bones has that button Fuck your time limit. You guys understand where that came from? Okay, let's talk about that before I wrap this up. So um, I was actually kind of interviewing him and I was asking him about like the whole thing he did where he just 
made his own online one-man show one night out of the blue and he just felt like, yeah, let's try out some premises. He just did his own uh, one-man open mic, basically. And it was funny, you know, it was great. Um, and I was asking him about that and he was telling me about how the idea came about was because he was thinking about how uh, the whole going to open mics thing wasn't really happening like it wasn't really working out uh, logistically for him and it didn't make a lot of sense for him to, you know, just drive so far because he's, he lives pretty far away and then he drives so far to get to the club and then he, and then he gets like four minutes. He gets to perform for four minutes and then you got to go back and then it's just a lot of time and energy wasted and it really drains him. So I was thinking about that and then he decided that one day he was, he was like, wait, I know how to stream. Why don't I just do it on a stream, right? And it's a great idea. And he was talking about, he was describing it and he was like, and then you go to the comedy club and then they have a time limit. And I was thinking, and he was thinking of his next words and I filled in his words for him and I said, fuck your time limit. So that was what that whole thing was about. I was just trying to end his sentence for him, you know. And then now it's attributed to me, which is like, hey, I thought we created this thing together. <laughs> you know? Okay, let's wrap this up. Isn't that a husband-wife thing finishing each other's sentences? Yeah, I, I can't finish my wife's sentences uh, because we've been married for 15 years and uh, she still surprises me. You know, she sometimes... Sometimes I just have to record what she says because it's just like the way she tells a story is so infuriating uh, because she branches off like everywhere. It's kind of like this Louis C.K. joke that he used to do about his wife. And I was like, that's exactly it. That's like my wife. And um, I just have to record it one day to just not, not to write a joke or anything because that joke's already been done, but like just to document how ridiculous it is the way she tells a story. Sometimes she would just, like, I have no idea. Like, okay. Okay, this one could be a bit. Like, sometimes my wife would ask me a question and I have no idea what she's asking. Like, she would, she would be like, hey, so have you done the, you, have you done it already or not? The, the thing? And I'm like, huh? What? What thing? And she's like, you know, the thing that you had to do the, you know, with the, person i'm like what where what why who what what how who and she's like you know the the thing you have to do with the person at the place uh when we did the other thing and i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about can you can you listen to the words that you're using here like you're not giving me any clues how am i supposed to know what you're talking about but that's that's the way she talks you know <laughs> and then sometimes sometimes I actually know what she's talking about. And then I, I feel like a, that's a big win, you know, I'm like, and then I, I will, I will still be a dick and I'll still point out to her that she was being super vague. And I'm like, can you actually like, I know what you're talking about. No, or sometimes I instinctively answer her. Right. And I answer what she, she's asking. And then she just 
goes about uh, her day and she she doesn't even realize that something transpired that was very special and rare and uh, odd. And I, I would catch myself after I answer it. And then I'll go back and say, like, even though you didn't give me anything, I still know what you are talking about. <laughs> yeah. So that's my wife. Uh, a little glimpse into what it's like. Same if you made that recording and seeming found out the last thing on that recording would <laughs> would be a screaming on it. Okay, I'm gonna tell you guys this one thing. <laughs> okay, this is confession time. Okay, every every week we're gonna have some confession time if we if we can find one, right? So um, there was this one time we were rushing from our place to um, yeah, we were going to Damansara Kim, and so there's two ways of turning into Damansara Kim from the LDP. And so the regular way that I always take, which is to kind of overshoot it and turn around and get to it, it's usually more reliable. But my wife wanted me to take the nearer shortcut way. And that shortcut way is, that day was just super jammed. And usually there's this uh, right turn you have to do that's just like, it would let three cars in and then it would turn red again. And it was just like, there were like 15 cars that day. So, um, and my wife was getting hungry and needed to feed her. That was my, my main uh, thing I needed to do as a husband at that moment. And so she was so angry and she was just cursing me out. And she was just asking me to take the, the second lane to turn, which I never do because it's, uh, first of all, it's illegal. Second of all, it's a little bit dangerous. So I never do. And she was like, just uh she was turning into the hulk basically she was turning into the hulk inside the car because i wouldn't take the second lane to to make the right turn it's like it is a turning lane i'm like it's not a turning lane it's like you don't know how to drive you know it's a turning lane and i'm like look at the arrow on the road and so we were having this argument and i was clearly losing the argument uh, because she was angry and I was trying to be calm. And so there's no way I was going to convince her. Um, but then I was like, there could be a bit here, you know. So I should take note of this. There's something very odd happening here. And there's something, some the, the, the part about the turning lanes could be funny. And I was like, there's something funny here. I should record this. So I turned the recording on on my phone and I continued the argument. I was, I was stoking the fire a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, let's see what else will come out of her because she's so angry and she's just saying like ridiculous things. And she um, she got so angry because she she saw the, the, the app on my phone recording. And I, I wasn't even sure because I was a little bit upset at her and I wanted her to calm down. But at the same time, I was like, maybe I should record this. But at the same time, I was kind of like, part of me was recording it for the joke. But part of me was kind of like wanting her to realize how ridiculous she was being. So there was two parts of me. So I think maybe I wanted her to see that I was recording it. And and then she would um, realize that, okay, this is this is ridiculous. I got to calm down because this is being recorded, right? Maybe that was a part of me that was hoping for that. But it was a ridiculous fight that we were having. And... Um, and she saw that I was recording it. Maybe I, maybe I might have accidentally 
let her see it or I might have uh, consciously let her see it. Maybe it's a bit of both. Uh, and she just lost it. And then she was like, how could you do this? You know, and and she, um, <laughs> she tried to delete it, but she doesn't know anything about like folders and files. She's really bad with the computer. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't find a file to delete it. And then um, she in uninstalled the app. Like, that was the only thing she knew how to do. And then I was, like, finding that funny. So I was laughing. And she was, like, still angry. But she was starting to laugh as well. And then, but she was still angry. She was like, okay, no, I'm not going to laugh. I'm going to stay in this anger so that I can win, like, this this whatever it is she's trying to win right it's not even an argument anymore it's just like yeah she's just trying to punish me basically and yeah i i i think i deleted that recording because uh, i listened to it and it was painful to listen to actually it's funny talking about it now in the in the meta sense but i don't know if i can actually get any joke out of what she said <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's uh that's what happens with uh that's what happens when you are the wife of a comedian and uh, and he's a little bit insane, I guess. <laughs> there was a part of me that wanted the argument to end. But then there was also a part of me like, well, let's see, let's see how crazy this goes, you know. And to be honest, she didn't need a lot of help from me. She has this temper that like when she gets going, she's the juggernaut. You can't stop her. Yeah, basically it's, um, we're not even trying to win an argument anymore. We're just trying to, um, her rage is such that I'm not sure what will happen. Like she hasn't done anything bad so far, but it's just when you see someone that angry, you're not quite sure, you know, kind of puts me on edge and then I, I try to stay calm. So far, um, after 15 years, I realized like staying calm seems to work. So yeah. And, and by the way, like. My, <laughs> this, this is going to end up as a three-hour stream now. I'm going to start talking about my wife. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Pat Friend says, uh, more than a legend, la. I think we have found the ultimate warrior. <laughs> uh, no, my, my, I think my wife is the ultimate warrior. I'm just kind of like, she is the Hulk and I'm Betty Ross, I think. That, that's, that's our relationship. Most of the time, I deal with people through diplomacy, through you know, be, having just being polite, asking for things politely. But most of the time, trying to stay out of people's way. When push comes to shove, I'm I'm uh, I'm not the most assertive guy, let's say. So uh, so when I end up having to deal with people who are difficult, I just let my wife loose on them. <laughs> Uh, I remember this one time, uh, this was like years ago, I think before Max was born, um, back when I, this was like in an IT mall, I bought this item and uh, I know something wrong with it. Basically, it was a CD writer, I think it was one of those, you buy a case for us, like you buy a CD writer that goes into um, a computer, but instead of going into a computer, uh, it can go into a, a casing for it, and then you can plug in um, 
it's got its own power supply. You can plug in a thing and then you can, it's a standalone CD writer, I guess, and you can plug that into your computer. Um, and nowadays you can buy those things for free day and they are factory made. You don't have to get the IT guy to put one together for you. But back then they they were pretty, those, um, those uh, factory made ones are pretty rare. So I got this IT guy to build one for me and it wasn't working pro uh, properly. So I brought it back and I was complaining about it. I had, you know, I had the receipt and everything. And the guy was giving me a, a lot of grief. Like he was basically thinking that like he wasn't going to give a refund and the way to not give a refund was to uh, be more aggressive than I was and which was not not hard. And then I was like, okay, you asked for it. I took like three steps back and, <laughs> and uh, my wife was watching the whole thing and she was like not having it. So she's like, let me, let me talk to him. And I'm like, okay, be my guest. <laughs> and I pity the guy after that because uh, my wife just uh, ripped his head off and uh, also ripped him a new one, you know. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and in the end, we, we, we got the thing fixed. Uh, we, got a, we got a new one that worked. Uh, so that's... That is... Um, if, okay, since today we're talking about a lot of movies, right? Uh, I want to talk about the. If you guys remember Doctor Strange Love, was it Doctor Strange Love? They had this thing that was the. Uh, it was the the panic button that you could press that would just destroy the world, right? <laughs> it was just basically like this thing that nukes all your enemies, and then your enemies would nuke you and. It was just the, what was it called? The Doomsday, the Doomsday Machine. Yeah. So they had this thing called the Doomsday Machine, right? And it was not to be used uh, until, um, until the very last resort, right? It, only as a very last resort, you can use the Doomsday Machine. And um, so I was like, why would anyone want to build something like a doomsday machine, right? And just like this thing that just destroys everything. And so, um, but it was for the last resort, right? And just the fact that you had it meant that your uh, enemies would be fearful of you. And when I thought about this, uh, I was... And then when I watched the the Godfather, I also thought about like the relationship between like um, uh, the Godfather, right? Which was uh, Vito Corleone. He was the Godfather. He was the dad, right? And then he had uh, Sonny, which was the the temperamental son, right? And then he had uh, Michael, which was out of the business in the beginning of the movie. Uh, and then he had. Um, is um uh what's that guy's name robert duvall what did he, he was um his adopted son which was kind of like the calmer person so that was his team but then i was like oh okay so but so i i, I, I was brought up like always um my parents always told me like it's it's better to be calm than to be temperamental temperamental is bad being calm is good but then when i think about the godfather's team when i think about the godfather's family i think like there is a role for this temperamental guy because it's like 
he's basically the doomsday machine. He just reacts. He doesn't think. He just like, you know, if you if you hit any of my family, I'm gonna hit you back like harder. And he doesn't think about oh, is this the is this the strategically um, smart thing to do? He doesn't think. He just reacts, right? Um, but that also makes your enemies fear you because like they know that this guy, you know, he's gonna hurt himself rather than let this go, right? So that that could be something that is like a doomsday machine, kind of like something that people fear uh, that. If I do something, there might be repercussions, even though like uh, the act of uh, acting out these repercussions is actually not strategically wise. Um, so in a way, it's a defense mechanism and stops the family from being bullied. Uh, and when I think about it, that makes sense if I put these two movies together. And then when I think about my relationship with my wife, I realize like, yeah, maybe she's my doomsday machine. <laughs> you know, she keeps she keeps me from getting uh, bullied. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, very long-winded way of explaining my my relationship with my wife in a way, but uh, it's more complex than that. But uh, the the aspect of like me being timid and her being reactionary and assertive and um, kind of a all-round badass, um, yeah, <laughs> it, re- it reminds me of that doomsday machine. I didn't realize Malaysians responded to kind words and diplomacy. Um, Ah, this is interesting. Man, sorry to drag you guys into this three-hour thing, but whoever needs to leave, you know, I'm sorry that this has gone on so long. But uh, yeah, looks like it's going to be a three-hour one. (laughs) But uh, it keeps getting more and more interesting uh, because, yeah, I don't know why. The first hour is always the hardest. I didn't realize Malaysians responded to kind words and diplomacy. Um, Yeah. I think there is that thing, right, where we think like nobody responds to kind words and diplomacy, so um, so we have to also, in a way, it's a vicious cycle because we also like, oh, nobody's going to respond to kind words and diplomacy, so we are not going to bother with kind words. We are going to be aggressive, right? And then maybe the other person's thinking the same thing, right? Maybe they are thinking like, well, they are going to come out uh, yelling. I'm going to yell, you know, before they do and louder. Uh, and I remember my brother telling me this once when I when I was learning how to drive. He had this piece of advice for me, which was, if you ever get into a car accident, um, just, just, tell the other person it's his fault. <laughs> um, and I I kind of understand the strategy, but it goes against like my personality like way too much. I, I can't I can't do it. Like if it's my fault, I can't pretend like it's someone else's fault. Uh, maybe there's a humble brag, but I I feel like okay. If this guy is driving, he's not doing anything wrong, and I crash into him, that's, that's going to be my fault. That's obvious, right? I'm not going to come out of the car screaming, Hoy, you don't know how to drive. What's wrong with you? You know, But, but that's how uh, apparently you're supposed to react. 
if you get into a car accident as a Malaysian, apparently. So uh, yeah, what are you guys? Uh, what do you guys think of that? What are your thoughts on that? I, I in fact, I've been hit by someone from the back, and you know, it wasn't my fault at, at all. And I think I let them off pretty easy, you know. They, I was like, oh, this is gonna cost a lot of money. Uh, and basically, it's just the threat of making a police report, right? So, um, yeah. So, a lot of times they're like, "Okay, uh, can I just pay you some money?" And and uh, so that they don't have a, to make a police report because if they make a police report, then um, the next time they pay their insurance, they no longer have the the no claim bonus, right? So that's the only thing that's that's to my advantage is that the other person that doesn't want me to make a police report or doesn't want to make a police report. Yeah, that's the only thing. Um, but other than that, it's just like in so in a way, I kind of handle it like a business transaction. Is like so, what's the deal here? Are we gonna make a police report or or uh, you just gonna pay me? Uh, how about this price? You know, it's just like um negotiation. A price negotiation rather than like you know just start yelling obscenities i i don't know i yeah i'm not good at yelling obscenities at people if i i can't say some colorful words when i'm doing comedy but usually it's uh it's um because of a situation that's fucked up, yeah, rather than like cursing someone out. Um, or if I do curse someone out, it's kind of imaginary. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, two hours and 40 minutes. That's, that's not the thing to do, Sim. You're just wasting people's time here. Okay, guys, uh, should we wrap this up? Man, every comment sends me off on attention. Did he give you your money back plus a new one plus a lifetime supply of this? Uh, no, he gave me a new one. And he didn't give me my money back. He gave me a new one. Uh, did he give me free this? I don't think he even gave me that. He just begrudgingly gave me a new one that worked. That he could, that he checked and it worked. And we saw him checking because we weren't going to make that trip to the IT mall again. Yeah. Nice going, Sim. You push the buttons of your doomsday machine for fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, Bing. Uh, I, I did do that. I did do that. <laughs> uh, good call, good call. All right, so I'm going to end the thing here. Thank you all so much for being here. Bye, everybody.